Welcome to the Mary's Cup of Tea podcast. I'm your host, Mary Jolkowski. I'm an author, speaker, and all-around self-love advocate. And this is the podcast that'll inspire you to love yourself. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Mary's Cup of Tea podcast. Today, I have two guests on the show. I'm very excited to introduce you to my book publishing team, Lindsay and Brenna. Hello. Hello. Lindsay and Brenna helped me publish both The Gift of Self-Love and 100 Days of Self-Love, which I'm so eternally grateful for. And I thought to celebrate the launch of our second book together, it would be so fun to have just a shoot in the shit kind of conversation. (laughs) Because y'all have gotten to know me so well over the years, writing with somebody will do that. And I wanted our listeners to also know some just unconventional paths, whether it's the publishing world or entrepreneurship or writing, editing. There's a whole industry that I personally never even knew about until I started working with you. Okay. And speaking of, so the gift of self-love, I pitched to you, at least the idea, but 100 days was kind of flipped. You know, you came to me with like, what if we did a journal that was complimentary but different? What was the idea behind that? Or I guess just again, going back to that question of like, how do you carve out an opportunity in a space where the opportunities are seemingly endless, but also like non-existent, if that makes sense? So like, how do you know what to go for? And how did you come up with a self-love journal? Well, we do a lot of research, as I think you know. So we don't, as I actually heard Peter say the other day, you know, we don't throw spaghetti at the wall just to see what sticks. We like to be really strategic about the projects we take on. And so, you know, when you pitched us Gift of Self-Love, we were excited about that opportunity. I was passionate about it because I I love working on self-help books. And I thought there was definitely a need for another book in the self-love space specifically. But we also had looked at the data and seen there was a demand for that. And there was room. We hadn't done one at Blue Star yet. And we felt like we could succeed at that. So we took on your project and obviously had a lot of fun making it together and succeeding at it together. And in doing that research and working on that book, we learned more about that category and saw that gift of self-love really serves a certain part of the self-help space. You know, it is definitely a workbook. It is a book that is like roll up your sleeves, you know, if you're finally ready to do this work sit down and let's get started. But as I think I told you before, I felt like that's like the heavy work. And then what is the the content that carries you day to day after that, that helps you continue to give yourself this daily dose of love and something to return back to when you just need a little extra inspiration. And so in the research, we saw journals specifically doing really well and felt like we could create something that was complementary to your first book, but that still had its own space. So anybody who purchases 100 Days of Self-Love, I really think can enjoy it and get a lot out of it and not have to have read your first book. That said, if somebody has read your first book, this is just going to help build on that practice and make it a lot more meaningful for them, I think. Yes. I think when it comes to mental health and wellness in general, most of us, myself included, struggle with integration. 
that's what I hear so much. Like after a retreat, it's like we had this amazing time together and I learned so many new things about myself. And then, you know, the mood kind of just goes down if you're not constantly practicing what you learned. And that's Mm -hmm. the same thing with like going to therapy. And I think a lot of people find themselves in a place where they know all the things, they know so much more than me, like could host a retreat, could write a book, could have a podcast. And yet like that integration of like turning the knowing from the doing feels like a little more daunting. So I'm excited about 100 days being that micro step, that daily dose kind of journal. Yeah, exactly. Building a daily practice for anyone who picks up this book. And not to put you on the spot, Mary, but I think that you could speak well to what we created in doing this book, which I think makes it so special, is that that 100-day journey that we've created really covers all aspects of self-love. It covers all aspects of what we deal with as as human beings. So it's it's not just body image struggles. It's not just relationship struggles. It's not just identity struggles. It's touching on all of those things because on any given day, whatever is causing a weakness or insecurity in self-love <laughs> could be something completely different because the world hits us with something different every day. And I like that we've given, you know, that you really wrote to everything that you've experienced yourself and sh- and really poured your heart out on the page and shared stories for each day about something that has inspired you or affected you and that you've learned from. Thanks, Lindsay. I think my biggest insecurity has always been Brenna to Peter's demise. I am the kind of person that throws spaghetti at the wall and sees what <laughs> sticks, but mainly because I you know, they call it like multi-passionate or multi-potentialate and like just a lot of random knowledge about a lot of random things. And every typical self-help book will tell you like, you got to get really good at one thing and you got to put 10,000 hours into your one craft and like have one very solid message. And I just can't do that. And even when it comes to this podcast, every time I have an idea, I'm like, well, does that fit into self-love? If so, how? Okay, now I have to make it fit. And I just hope that I did. And through the gift of self-love, you were a big person who helped me drop some of the attachment to body image being my main message and then expand into self-love. And I think the next step and what this journal is representative of is just like me and random things I'm thinking about. And of course, they're all related to self-love because it's all things that are going to support just like a more positive outlook on life and hopefully make you feel good. And yeah, I just feel really at peace with who I am and what the two books are and like how they've come together to symbolize where I've been at over the past five-ish years. Yeah. And kind of to come full circle on this message of this particular podcast. I don't think that even when we sat down to start this journal, we had a clear path of what we were going to create. We just knew we wanted to create a self-love journal. And so I think it really came together in a really unique and interesting way that we didn't know on day one. (laughs) We just kind of had to allow your storytelling to lead us there. Yeah. I remember you were like, well, just write I don't remember what you said, but you were like, just 
start writing. You said something more eloquent than that. And I was like, okay. (laughs) But that's such an important message. I think that, you know, you could apply it to everything that we're saying. I think it, it speaks volumes to Peter and Brenna and Camden when they started this company, just start with one thing. You know, they just started with a coloring book. They didn't start off saying, okay, we're building a publishing company. The hardest part of any project, right, is just getting started. And so that was kind of the message in that spirit with this book for you was just sit down and start writing. Let's not overthink it. Let's just see what comes out and and let it take us where it wants to take us. Yes, yes. And I, I very much took the approach of like, writing all the things and then we we trimmed it down like it feels like counterintuitive and backwards but it's like that age-old saying in the writer world of like write drunk edit sober where you do have to pour yourself out not in like the alcoholic way but like in a metaphorical sense like you have to kind of just go for something and like let it be messy and let it be a little bit unknown and weird and then you can go back and like reevaluate and make little adjustments and see what's working and what's maybe not. And that feels like a little bit more conducive to just carving out your own path because in that messiness is where you find your own path. Yeah, I think that's so true. I think that as you were saying that though, I feel like it's worth acknowledging doing that stuff is really vulnerable right? I mean, it's so easy to say, hey, just take that first step and just get messy. And I think we've heard a variation of that message before, but you really have to trust yourself in that process because not everything is going to work and you are going to fail on certain things. And it's easy to tell people to just keep going, but that is what you have to do is just trust that it's going to lead you where you want it to go. Yes. Amen on a Wednesday. So. This morning, I stumbled on a TED Talk that's called You Don't Actually Know What Your Future Self Wants. And obviously that title is captivating, so I clicked on it. And the message was just so spot on to what we were emailing about, which is like how our career paths are so unconventional and we've had to stay really open-minded and essentially like carve out a space and a position that didn't previously exist or maybe didn't have like a very straightforward path. And this speaker who's the host of the Hidden Brain podcast, he was talking about how all of us like assume the world will be different 10, 20 years from now. But we think that we will function relatively the same within that world, even though so many things can change in such a short amount of time, even in terms of like what we want, our values, just like how things unfold. And Lindsay, I have worked really, really closely with you and I just find your path so fascinating, first of all, because you're good at everything. How? Thank you. In prep for this conversation, I Googled you and it said you were like a producer? (laughs) Yeah. As you said, my journey has, has taken a few different paths to get to Blue Star where I'm at today. And I can give you a little bit of that backstory if you want. Yes, please. Well, it's funny because as you were saying that title of that TED Talk, that just really resonates with me. I'm somebody who always thought I knew what I wanted. And when I was younger, I was very future focused. I actually remember 
the college essay that I wrote and submitted to get into different universities was actually written in future tense. And it was me writing about being a successful news anchor at a TV station and what my life was going to look like. And I was living in a big city and all of these things. And I just always thought at that age that I knew how my life was going to look as an adult, how little I actually knew. (laughs) So I started off in journalism. That's how I started my career. And that's what I got my degree in. But along the way, different experiences led me to have different interests and also living in different places as I've done. I have lived in a few different cities throughout my 20s and into my 30s, met different people. And literally everything I've done has just opened up new worlds for me. And I think being open to those paths is what has taken me on this interesting journey. So starting out in journalism, I worked as a community reporter. That was my first job. And then I transitioned to working as a producer at the Huffington Post. For a couple of years, they had launched a digital TV news network. And I wanted to get into that. I thought the world of documentary seemed really fascinating and wanted to learn more about that. So when that opportunity presented itself, I transitioned to working there. In doing that, I learned a lot more about producing and got really interested in that medium of storytelling and ended up going and working in TV and entertainment for a few years, which led me, (laughs) it's almost exhausting saying it all, but the through line of, of this journey, this sort of wondering journey to me is that I've always been committed to knowing that storytelling is what I enjoy doing and, and writing and editing and having a passion for doing those things has allowed me to, you know, if you think of them as sort of what you're rooted in, knowing what your core passions are, then it opens you up to taking whatever journey presents itself that allows you to do those things. And so that's exactly it, I think, for me was starting off in journalism and then working in TV and producing. And then I had a really unique opportunity present itself to work with NBC journalist Maria Shriver. And I worked at her media company, Shriver Media, for a few years where I got to work on documentaries, digital media, two of her books, and actually another one of her books that Blue Star had published. And that's how I learned the world of publishing fell in love with book publishing and got introduced to the team at Blue Star, including Brenna. And that's what led me to where I'm at today. So hopefully that all makes sense. (laughs) But it's just been fascinating because going back to what I said at the beginning, it's certainly not what 18-year-old Lindsay thought that she would be doing at 36. I'm curious, like that essay, what were you doing? It's so funny. I wish I could find it. I remember it started off of like me getting home after a long work day and I had picked up pad thai to go and I was going into my big city apartment for my important job at a TV news station where I worked as a news anchor. So I, I always thought I was going to be on the Today Show one day in front of the camera. And that was 18-year-old Lindsay, what she thought her life had ahead of her. <laughs> yeah. And I love that you said that that the commonality or like at the core what you always really loved is storytelling Mm -hmm. did you always know that or is this like retrospectively figuring that out as you're piecing together your path so I did always know that and I know that I feel really blessed that I did I know that not everybody has that path of 
at a younger age having a strong sense of of where they want to go. But I think we all have a sense if we sit, you know, and reflect and dig deep of of what we are passionate about. And of course, those things change over time as well. But I did know I was passionate about storytelling. I think another important thing to note about my journey is that I grew up in a small town and I only knew what to do with those passions, what was presented to me in that small town. So publishing, for instance, was not on my radar at all. TV and entertainment was not on my radar at all. Those weren't things I grew up around. Those weren't things that people, adults in my life had ever done. And so my dreams at that age were limited to what I had been exposed to at that time. And everything that's sort of grown out of that in my adult life is just from being curious and leaving small town (laughs) and and going and seeing bigger and, and different things along the way. That's so cool. Lindsay, I did not know that about you. And I also didn't know, well, I knew you worked for Maria Shriver, but I didn't know that she had published a book with Blue Star Press. And then that's what led you here. I thought it was the opposite. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Brenna could speak to that a little bit, but they published a coloring book with her. So I got to collaborate in that process and meet them and just really fall in love with publishing, which I think a lot of people grow up maybe thinking the idea of being an author one day sounds really romantic and exciting, but no one has any idea, even a lot of people who've worked in publishing, it's a a lot to know about it, right? So when you're young or Even when I worked on that first book, there was so much to learn and and uncover about what it means to work in the publishing industry. Hey, self-lovers, I want to remind you to pre-order my new book, 100 Days of Self-Love. After publishing my first book, The Gift of Self-Love, many of you asked me for a tool that would help keep you going on this self-love journey and build it into your daily life. This new guided journal that I'm coming out with is meant to help you do just that. It's got 100 journaling prompts that cover all areas of your life, body, identity, purpose, relationships, and more, and help you think about how self-love fits into those through thought-provoking journal prompts accompanied by little excerpts slash musings from yours truly. So you can really think of this as a metaphorical multivitamin for self-love. I'm extra thrilled about this journal because I truly wrote it for myself. It's incredibly representative of where I'm at in my life, so I'm really excited to share that authentic part of myself with you. 100 Days of Self-Love, the guided journal, is now available for you to pre-order if you're hearing this before November 15th. If it's after November 15th, then it's available for you to order. And I know that pre-ordering is a little odd because why would you buy the book before the book comes out? But here's why. It just really supports me as an author because it shows retailers that people are interested in this book, so they are more likely to stock it. So your early support, those early sales just mean the world to me. And as a thank you for being one of those early supporters, I'm going to send you the audiobook for free. And that way you'll have the print version and the audiobook version and you can follow along and have the best of both worlds. Just go to maryscupoftea.com slash journal and all the links to pre-order are there. When you pre-order, take note of your order number and make sure to go to that website, maryscupoftea.com slash journal, because there are instructions including a form for you to fill out so that I can send you the audiobook as my gift to you. 
You can get 100 Days of Self-Love on Amazon, Walmart, Target, or any other bookstore. And if you're outside of the United States, check out Book Depository for free worldwide shipping. Again, that's maryscapotecom slash journal, and I can't wait for you to get it. Yeah, being behind the scenes, I personally feel like editing is like the ultimate form of I've made it because that's when you're like, <laughs> you've already, you've done your own writing and you've critiqued your own writing. And now you have a certain skill set where you can zoom out and help somebody else bring their writing vision and put finishing touches on it. Yeah, it's really rewarding. It's it's really meaningful to get to work with someone like yourself, Mary, because I know that you have a vision and that you have a message that you want to put out in the world as well. And being able to help you articulate that and share that is just really special. And you're really good at that. Thank you. Thank you. Brenna, tell me, like, when you saw Lindsay's resume or when you started working together, what do you really look for as somebody who owns a business? Because I'm somebody who has, like, a very fragmented resume. I don't even think I don't even have a resume, but if I were to make one, I truly don't know if anybody would hire me. And I feel like a lot of people post-pandemic and like maybe starting side hustles and having gaps in their resumes and everything, we are just like young and the world is changing so fast and we don't even know like where to start or how to like exude and portray our value and like very unique skill set. So long-winded way of asking like what is it about Blue Star that gives people such unique opportunities and also hires like really young people and has a very like unique place in the book publishing industry with like coloring books and journals and all the different ways that you've expanded? Yeah, totally. And to first, I'll touch base on Lindsay. So Peter on our team was lucky enough to work with her first because he actually flew to Los Angeles, sat in a room with Maria's team with with Lindsay there. And he was really impressed with Lindsay from the beginning. And she was kind of like the go-to contact through publishing that book. A few months later, we just kind of kept in touch with Lindsay. And then when we found out that she might be interested in working with us, we were all so excited. Honestly, Lindsay, I don't think I even looked at your resume <laughs> because we just already had such a good working relationship. We knew she was a great storyteller. I mean, she was the COO at Maria Shriver's company, like basically in command, second to Maria Shriver. So she just was amazing. And we were so excited to have her on the team. But not everybody who wants to work with us has the opportunity to work with us beforehand. And I actually was a recruiter before I had this publishing company. I worked for a healthcare company. And I I actually started out as an exercise science major. I thought I was going to be a physical therapist or a personal trainer, kind of go that route. And I started working for a company in San Antonio, basically as a physical therapy assistant. But it was about a 200-person company, and there were opportunities for advancement. And I found myself in HR in a recruiting position. So I was recruiting all of our chiropractors and physical therapists and any other positions that came open. And so I think it was four years I was there. I interviewed probably over 2,000 people. And so coming into the publishing company, I just had that experience. But when we're finding new authors, it's kind of similar. Like we do interview them because it's kind of like a mini business partner relationship. Like we will work together for one to two years to create the book, to sell the book, potentially create more books. And so that was kind of my first role in the publishing company, like interviewing, vetting authors and artists that we were going to 
make books with. So we're only a 12 person team. So we're not hiring all of the time and recruiting employees is not a main huge focus for us over the last seven years. But whenever we are hiring people, I think some things that stand out are like recently I've posted a position and I probably got 600 resumes on LinkedIn. That's a lot to sift through. And anybody who personally messaged me on LinkedIn or found my email address and messaged me, I'm way more likely to really look through that application, really look at that resume, you know, and schedule an interview with because it's just, it's hard to sift through so many resumes. Everybody's so busy these days. We're used to like being on our social media screens and flipping through things really fast. So I think the best way you can stand out is by taking that extra effort, message that person, find their physical office address and send them a handwritten note kind of thing. Like those little things make a really big difference. If you know anybody who works in the company or who knows somebody who works in the company, try to make that connection there and see if you can have a phone call to learn more about it. I think the thing that bothers me the most, LinkedIn has this feature where it just has like an automated message that you can send when you're interested in a position. And it's like, I had like a hundred messages and they were all the same. And I'm like, okay, you're not really putting that much effort into this. Like how many other jobs are you applying for? Do you truly know what company you're applying for kind of thing? So our company culture, we're a remote company. So we all work from home. We don't like to micromanage. We like to hire people who are entrepreneurial focused and who don't need to be handheld, basically, because that's not fun for anybody. It's not fun for the person being micromanaged. And it's not fun for the person who's doing the micromanaging. We only have one person on our team that came from the publishing industry. And so we've had to learn a lot of things the hard way, but it's been really good for us. And we've eventually got to the right place and probably opened up some doors that most people don't because they're already stuck in their ways. But that's the kind of personality that we're hiring here at Blue Star Press. And we always say like, if all of a sudden we had publishing broke and nobody could publish books anymore, our team of 12 could pick up and start somewhere else because we just are those type of people that can put their heads down, figure things out. Yes. One of the things that I'm obsessed with, and Brenna, you know, you know, you and I can sit and talk for hours and vent about how not to email people um, yeah. <laughs> because we just get bombarded with, like you said, these weird automatic messages and they just clutter the inbox. And I'm sorry, but it's going to go from a no to a fuck no if you email me like that. <laughs> so one thing I'm like really obsessed with is developing transferable skills and approaching every single thing I do with like, even if I epically fail at this task or project or I don't know, full-blown career or business, will I still learn something that will be transferable to other areas of my life or other future opportunities? And that was the big thing with book writing. First of all, I never expected y'all to answer. <laughs> Can we talk about that? I never thought you would email me back. Well, I remember sitting in the room when we got your pitch, actually. Brenna, we we're in Oregon together. We know, as she mentioned, we're a remote company, but we all happen to be together at the time. And I remember us looking through it and talking through it and getting excited about it. And yeah, I can understand on your end where it's you're expecting to not even hear anything back. But I think it goes back for us, at least, to what Brenna was saying about the type of culture we like to have is to treat people like people. And we know you're a human on the other end that's poured your heart and soul into the submission. Even if we weren't interested, we would have let you know. It's important to us to 
to take good care of people. Yeah, I'm so eternally grateful. And I remember when you responded, I was in Colorado for my TED Talk. And not going to lie, Lindsay, I was really trying to impress you. And you were like, can you meet on Monday? And I was like, actually, I'm in Denver for my TED Talk. Can we do Tuesday (laughs) instead? (laughs) That's the only bit of like, wait, can this actually happen? Like, you know, email that I sent off. But one thing Brenna and I talked about so extensively when it comes to like emailing people because of course with the book you have to like pitch yourself constantly and one thing that I've always stood by and I don't know if it's gotten me really far but it's gotten me this far is every single email I write from scratch every single word like I will not copy and paste ever wow yeah you're really good at that Even if it's a pitch, even if I'm saying the exact same thing, even if I'm transcribing, I will not copy and paste it. And if in the rare case that I do, if I'm like 100% sure that this is exactly what I want to say to this person, I'm just like extra diligent on rewriting it because it's not because I want to like make everything super duper personalized and I spend an hour writing each email, but it's because I I really want to approach like everything with a I don't know, like a fresh slate. And like you said, recognize the human on the other end that's going to be receiving this that doesn't need this long, spammy looking thing to get through the door, you know? Yeah, totally. You've always been so good about that. And I think intentional is such a good word to put for that. And I think one of the things that has also stood out about you, Mary, is you've been able to get blurbs from some really big people that are usually extremely hard to get to. So I think that's a testament to your strategy working. Like most people would not get a blurb from Alexandra L. Like that's amazing. Big shout out to Alex L. I'm so in love with her and she's just been so generous with her time and energy. Again, I never expected her to respond and some people will really surprise you. They'll respond and like, would love to. And that's all they say. (laughs) And you're like, whoa, Mm -hmm. (laughs) okay. And that, that's how she communicates. It's like very short, but always just, like you said, clear and intentional. All the emailing geeky stuff aside, Lindsay or Brenna, do you have any advice? And Brenna, we also need to hear about how you started a book publishing company because that's a really big deal. And we all wouldn't be here without you and Peter. <laughs> but as you're telling that story, do you have any advice for people who might be feeling lost in their career or maybe anxious about not being able to find something that they truly like to do? Because there's just a lot of mixed messages about that online. And also with this recession doom that's kind of hanging over our heads, how do you like keep going as a business owner and how do you find what that thing is? You know, it seems like there's so many ups and downs when you own your own business. Like there's extreme highs and extreme lows. And yeah, right now with the economic doom that you just explained, it's it's a little scary because nobody knows exactly what's going to happen. But I mean, in publishing, we know our industry is down across the board for every single publishing company. And I feel like my story is so unique too with Blue Star Press because I, kind of similar to what Lindsay was saying, I grew up in a place where I didn't know a single person that owned their own business or worked for themselves. I just assumed like, okay, I'll graduate college and then I'll work for a company for X number of years until I retire. Like, 
in my head, like I didn't seem like a huge problem because I thought that was the only option. And then once I started moving forward in my career and meeting people, and I mean, Peter is like the ultimate person who was like, I'm going to work for myself. I'm going to figure this out kind of thing. So he was a big leader there. But I can't even say that there's like one piece of advice that made this all happen. It's just kind of like, I'll go through the story and we'll see if there's a piece of advice that comes out of it. But like I said, I thought I was going to be in the exercise science world, which I still get to do a little bit of in publishing because the cool thing about having this publishing company is all 12 of the people on our team can submit an idea anytime for a book. And if they're passionate about it, and it seems like after doing research that it can do well, then we'll try to publish the book. And so I've gotten to have my outlet in the health and wellness space with some mocktail books and some like pregnancy books. And we've done books with a few professional runners. So that's kind of how my past experience ties into publishing. But I was working for that healthcare company in San Antonio, Texas for four or five years. And just a little caveat here too. So we keep mentioning Peter. So me and Peter and Camden are kind of like the people who started the publishing company in 2015. Peter and I had actually been dating for three years and he worked for a construction company in San Antonio. I was working for my healthcare company. And then Camden was Peter's friend who used to work at the construction company with Peter, but had recently left. And he actually was working on a startup study guide company. So it was kind of in publishing, but a little bit unconventional. But one day he called Peter, it was a Sunday, and I was actually out of town. And he said, hey, I think adult coloring books like for stress relief are doing pretty well in the UK. We should try to make one. And Peter was, he had a graphic design background. So he was like, okay, great, let's do it. Come over. And so they made this coloring book, loaded it up to Amazon and a few other retailers like barnesandnoble.com, Target, Walmart, just for their e-commerce sites. And they were like the first to put an adult coloring book. They just thought it was going to be like a fun side project. Like we'll make a few extra bucks. Some people want to buy it. And it just totally took off. It was crazy. Like it was a New York Times bestseller. They don't even allow coloring books to be New York Times bestsellers anymore because in 2015, I think they never expected that would happen. And then they were like, okay, no, coloring books cannot be New York Times bestsellers. But it was in 2015. So Peter quits his job about a month later And then in about two months, we probably made like five more coloring books, just Peter being a graphic designer. And then shortly after that, I ended up leaving my job. And the purpose of that was to find artists who could develop the line art for the coloring books and be authors for the coloring books. So over that next year, we worked with about 20 different artists to create these coloring books. And yeah, I was basically recruiting them and it was really, really fun. But we all knew that trend wasn't going to last forever. We still do coloring books about two to three a year. Our company actually was called Blue Star Coloring before it was Blue Star Press. So after about a year, we started getting calls from distributors and sales teams saying like, hey, do you guys, instead of just selling online, like, do you want to try to get into brick and mortar stores, like develop a real publishing program? And so we had these 20 artists that we were working with who were wonderful. And a lot of them had other skills outside of just drawing line art, hand lettering, crochet, quilting, like all these different arts and crafts. So we kind of went that route, started doing more arts and craft books. And then, like I said, kind of just like followed passions of employees. So started doing a bunch of health and wellness books some self-help books. The Millennial Loteria game was born from one of our designers' passions. And now we've done, I think, like eight different products in that brand, the Millennial Loteria brand. 
So I kind of wore all hats and I basically have kind of like now landed in sales and marketing. And I also do a little bit of acquisition still, but Lindsay's been helping out with that a little bit more. Yeah. What's crazy is that the three musketeers are still at Blue Star, right? Running the show. (laughs) Yep. You, Peter and Camden. And I just can't believe that that started from, hey, you want to do a coloring book? (laughs) Yeah. Peter called me and told me that. And I was like, okay, it's kind of strange, but sounds good. (laughs) Hope you have fun. (laughs) (laughs) When you first told me this story, I pictured like if Stan called me up right now and was like, I'm going to make a coloring book, I would laugh and think it was cute. And I don't know, that's that. I would never expect it to be like what it is now, which is just so cool that you follow every single, I don't know, like micro opportunity. And then it leads to a whole ass company. Yeah. A funny story on that note too. So Camden had a daughter who was about four years old at the time and her teacher called him into the office one day and uh, the teacher goes, um, Lily, we were all talking today about what our parents do. And she said that you make coloring books. He was like, <laughs> yeah, I do. She was like, oh, we thought she was just like confused. <laughs> so funny. That is really cool. Now that you've started publishing more self-help books and going into the journals and workbook space, do you think that there's something in the industry, like we obviously had a big pandemic boom with books. How do you see yourself like evolving, I guess, in the future? And of course, like you don't actually know what your future self wants or where things are headed. But as the world goes through these cycles, have you thought about like what's could be on the horizon? Yeah. I mean, we we have a retreat a couple times a year where we all get together. I mean, that was a little funky during the lockdown pandemic, but we just started doing it again. And we had one about a month ago kind of to meet like, hey, like, what are we going to do? What are our one-year, five-year, 10-year goals? So we're all pretty much on the same page with that. And you know, I mean, the obvious thing is make more books. So that's definitely on the horizon. But there's like the whole like web three and NFT world and maximizing content that way is something that we're exploring because I mean, I'm in my thirties now. When we started this company, I was in my twenties. We're pretty young. Our the oldest person on our team is 38. The youngest person on our team is 21, but probably average age is 29. So luckily we have some younger people that are really passionate about web three and NFT. You know, any I mean even TikTok, even just being in my thirties, I feel old for that platform. But I think that's something that made us different too. When we started the company, we were all in our 20s. And, you know, the publishing industry is typically average age is not in 20s for the company. And so it's always been important to us that we hire young people and we listen to young people. Like, I don't ever want to be that company that's like, those darn millennials, those darn Gen Zers, <laughs> you know, because I think there's so much like value that can be added from a different generation's perspective. I mean, that's a huge consumer base that you could be marketing toward Gen, even though I'm not Gen Z, like I want to understand Gen Z so that I can produce products that they want and sell them to them. So that's definitely a huge focus of ours is like, stay young, basically, I guess you could sum it up as. (laughs) I want to be Gen Z. I'm like a zillennial and I always relate to millennials more. But now that my sister is a teenager, I'm like, I want to be you. <laughs> yeah. I get very inspired. Like you said, I know it's it's trendy to be like, oh, those darn 
younger people who don't know how it was back in the day when we had to hike miles to get to school. Like, it's just, I don't know. I think it's overdone. (laughs) Yeah, I totally agree. Like, the world is evolving, like, exponentially. And it's hard to keep up. And, like, sometimes I want to just, like, move to a cabin and ignore everything. But I think a lot of people feel that way. (laughs) I was just going to ask both of you that. Have you ever wanted to just tear it all down and quit? Lindsay, you can't, well, I guess answer carefully since (laughs) you're aware, but like for real, have you ever wanted to just like do something completely different? Yeah. Well, I think like Brenna said, we all have the urge, especially these days to just completely cut ourselves off and go live off the grid somewhere. I've definitely felt that temptation of wanting a complete opposite of whatever. We're all living our own, our own paths, but we're all also living you know, struggling to live a version of what we think we're supposed to be doing as adults, right? And so it is kind of fun to imagine, okay, what if I just threw out all the rules? (laughs) What would life look like then? I don't think I'm brave enough for that. I enjoy working and I enjoy having stability, but I also do love entertaining or at least romanticizing the idea of going to live in absolute middle nowhere with no iPhones. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And so this is my dream job. I'm like that brain that wants to bounce, 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 bounce. Like if I was just working for a healthcare company, I would definitely want to bounce if I was doing the same thing every day. Publishing. So I'm going from Mary's book, a self-love book to a mocktail book to a photography book. It's so different. Like it just feels like so many different markets we're working in and so many different inspiring authors we get to do. So Whenever I'm feeling like frustrated and like things aren't working, which, you know, happens to everybody, even if you're the best company in the world, I'm always like, talk to the authors because, yeah, it sounds cheesy, but like y'all are very inspiring. There's a reason that you can make a book because you have a great message. People want to follow you and listen to your message. And also, I think the pandemic was, it was hard for me because I love meeting our authors in person. I think it really just puts, a pep in the step of everybody to like really promote books and stuff. And we used to have at least one one launch party for all of our books, even if it's small and intimate because the author isn't really an extrovert. And we would always try to send one person on our team to that event. And I miss that. And we just started doing that again. And it feels really, really good. Hopefully we can do that for 100 days. Yeah, I love that. I know. Yeah. Brenna, any final thoughts or words of encouragement? for our self-lovers? Just putting our heads down and kind of like hitting some bumps in the road, but persevering beyond them and like being okay with making mistakes and having losses. And then in the long run, as long as you trust yourself and you have good ethics, hard work, a good person, like it's most likely going to work out. My favorite quote is that luck is preparation meets opportunity. Because I mean, you can say for anybody who's had a business or been successful in anything like it's luck, but it's luck because they prepared and then an opportunity came, I think. So I think that's my biggest piece of advice. Mm, That's one of my favorite things in the whole world. I feel like we're the same person. (laughs) (laughs) I've said that to myself a lot. And I just read an essay by Margaret Atwood and her new collection of essays. And she says something similar of like, Yeah, it's like all of it is luck, but you have to be like prepared to receive that luck. And that's where the hard work comes. And I think that just really speaks to the balance of like acknowledging privilege and certain blessings that come your way and certain relationships that we have and certain things that fall into our laps and being like, 
this was a battle and I did take a huge risk and it is vulnerable, but I'm still like here for it. Yes, totally. Thank you both so much for joining me on the show today. It's been so wonderful. And I think this is also like selfishly such a nice memory that we made (laughs) because like 10 years from now we'll be able to listen to this and be like look at little us (laughs) (laughs) so I think it just marks a really special point in time like after gosh I think we're yeah we're past three years of working together and I love that we have a solid recording of our relationship That is really sweet. Yeah. And we're obviously really excited for your book to come out. (laughs) Love it. Thank you. I'm excited too. Yeah. It's available to pre-order or order depending on when you're listening. And it's in all bookstores. Am I missing anything? Like, is it going to be in any, I don't know, places to look out for? Because I know the gift of self-love is all over paper source, which is so many people have been sending me pictures of that. So freaking cool. And hopefully 100 Days of Self-Love will be in many of those places too. And if not online, wherever books are sold. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely in Barnes and Noble and paper sources looking at it. Everybody is a little bit behind in, in buying right now with all of the weird supply chain issues, <laughs> but they're definitely looking at it and I know they're excited about it. Woohoo. Awesome. Thank you so much. I will talk to you soon. Thank you, Mary. Bye. Bye. Hey self-lovers, just one more thing before we farewell. If you've been enjoying the Mary's Cup of Tea podcast, I would greatly appreciate it if you could leave a review on Apple or rate the show on Spotify. Your feedback helps the podcast grow, and as someone whose love language is words of affirmation, your kind words mean the world to me. If you're listening on Apple, you can just scroll all the way down on the podcast homepage and at the bottom, you will see a place to leave a review. And if you're listening on Spotify on the show's homepage, there will be a little star and clicking that star will let you send in your rating. Thank you so much for listening and helping me spread the gift of self-love. And speaking of the gift of self-love, make sure you pick up my book, which is available in stores and online worldwide. Just go to maryscupoftea.com slash book, and you'll find all the links to order the gift of self-love, whether that's on Amazon, Walmart, Target, small indie bookstores, and wherever else books are sold. Again, thank you so much for your endless support. Please always remember that you are loved. I love you, and I will talk to you next time on the Mary's Cup of Tea podcast. Toodaloo!